To Swift Unwrapped, a podcast about the Swift programming language and other projects at Swift.org. I'm Jesse Squires. And I'm JP Smart. Before we dive in, we'd like to thank our first sponsor today, Sentry. Sentry wants you to know that your code is broken, but it's all right because we can fix it together. If you rely on your customers to report errors, basically treating them like an offsite QA team, that's not a good thing. It's rude to them and it's bad for business. And ideally, you'd solve this with tests. Why not just cover every single scenario with a test? Well, the truth is, we're all kind of lazy and pretty bad at writing tests overall. So that's why Sentry tells you about the errors in your code before your customers have a chance to bump into them. Not only does Sentry tell you about these errors, they give you all the details you need to be able to fix them. You'll see exactly how many users have been impacted, the stack trace for a crash, the commit that caused the error, and the person who was responsible for writing this, uh, this change. So you should check them out at sentry.io slash four slash swift and try them out today. Once again, sentry.io slash four slash swift. Thank you, Sentry, for sponsoring today. Cool. So uh, today we're talking about the new UTF-8 string changes. Uh, Michael Ilsman, or is it Ilesman? Ilsman? Do you know? I think it's Ilsman. Ilsman? But I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Michael. <laughs> uh, he wrote a blog post on the official uh, Swift.org blog about these changes that are coming up in um, Swift 5, um, which switches the preferred coding of strings from UTF-16 to UTF-8. Objective-C veterans uh, listening to the show will remember that all NS string uh, offsets like length or um, any sort of subscripting is all done in terms of number of UTF-16 code points. Um, and so Swift being kind of the you know successor to Objective-C in a lot of ways, even though Apple has never said so in so many words, mm-hmm. uh, and definitely having Objective-C compatibility is a, is a very important uh, feature, um, also kind of kept kept that uh that same encoding for easier and and cheaper um ns string bridging you mean the original implementation or i mean swift up until version 5 has used um for the most part utf16 encodings although right as we'll dive into there have been multiple backing encodings um depending on the type of string right yeah, do you want to give an overview, actually, of what that uh, looks like, the change in the structure here? Sure. Um, I mean, ultimately, uh, because Swift, since version 1 or so, I mean, there have been changes to the string indexing model mm-hmm. over time, but from the very beginning, um, Swift wanted to have Unicode-safe APIs for dealing with strings, right? Which is why, for example, it didn't conform to uh, collection uh, initially, mm-hmm. because uh, they wanted to be uh, to to really make it clear that calculating, say, like the number of characters in a string was not constant time, and that uh, not all characters take the same amount of space in all encodings, really. And so, 
uh, Swift's always exposed a Unicode safe API, meaning that mm-hmm. they were free to change the underlying backing um, encoding if they so choose. Uh, but ultimately, there were something, I think the blog post highlights six different potential encoding strategies for uh, string types going up to, but not including Swift 5. Right. So you had three types of potential backing storage if the string was just continuous ASCII characters. You had one implementation for small, one for large, and one for indirect. Uh, indirect strings were able to um, kind of abstract away some some of that. And then there were different implementations for uh, UTF-16, right? There were no UTF-8 backing stores. And the UTF-16 one also had a large and an indirect um, different storage type. And then finally, there was uh, an, op- an opaque uh, backing for strings, which mm-hmm. reduced a lot of the potential optimizations that could happen when dealing with strings like this, but it allowed a little bit more resiliency so that if the representation had to change, uh, it wouldn't break anything. Now, moving forward to Swift 5, uh, all string backings have been coalesced into UTF-8 string representations, other than still an opaque string, which reserves the right to have, like, say, future string functionality that doesn't fit this model. Yeah, what exactly was the opaque storage for? I don't know if this was used at all, but it it adds a little bit more flexibility, mm-hmm. uh, more from a standard library standpoint than from, from a user standpoint in terms of how the string is stored. Mm, sure. It's kind of similar to kind of having some runtime in direction so that you're not, say, like calling directly into the offsets, but rather you're going through runtime APIs for like a lot of the operations, mm-hmm. right? So it reduces the amount of optimization you can have in exchange for some flexibility if you may choose to use it down the line. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any scenarios in which this was actually used, but it but it existed. Yeah, interesting. You know, one thing as I was reading this uh, blog post, uh, one thing that came to mind, I was like, well, why didn't we just have this nicer thing to begin with? <laughs> uh, like, why didn't we just do it this way before? But I guess it was because of interop with Objective-C. And it seems like, oh, we can have this UTF-16 backing, and then we'll have this ASCII backing to like do small optimizations when possible. Do you feel like that's accurate and now it's like well none of this is really that great so let's just go to a utf-8 backing always Mm -hmm. um well the the blog post does explain a little bit the rationale behind having multiple different types of encodings the kind of theoretical benefits being more performant uh implementations depending on the size and the content of the string but mm-hmm. the blog post also highlights that in practice, there are a lot of optimizations that couldn't be applied due to the additional complexity of having so many backing models. Mm-hmm. So I think this really was born out of um, just realizing over time that uh, the complexity that was in the system wasn't worth some of the wins, mm. like it wasn't right. carrying its own weight, and that ultimately um, it's even more performant to uh, to just switch to a single model 
where the rest of the industry is going as well, where mm -hmm. basically like all modern languages use UTF-8 as um, as their encoding. Mm -hmm. Like you look at you look at Rust, for example, um, which is highlighted in, in the blog post again. Right. Uh, there's also a mention of better interop with C as well. Um, I think later later on in the post. Right. So because UTF-8 strings are C string compatible um, and that mm -hmm. in their storage, they decided to have null terminated or zero terminated um, strings. It means that uh, if you have to pass a Swift string to a C API, you no longer need to allocate or transcode or like memory manage uh, that that content. You just need to pass a pointer. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's quite a bit more efficient. Um, another reason why... Uh, so, so there's actually some NS strings which won't, um, which will fail to bridge now uh, in Swift five to Swift strings because they have invalid content. So NS string was a little too permissive in terms of like uh, being able to store strings that don't make sense, like mm -hmm. isolated surrogates in in Unicode parlance. Right. And so previously that that worked because it was still being converted to UTF-16. Mm -hmm. Although maybe there was some some validation that stopped that from working, but uh, this definitely not, won't work now because it's being um, it's being converted to UTF-8. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's nothing like an isolated surrogate to just get in your way. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I know what that means. An isolated... So, like, I mean, I'm not a Unicode expert, but my understanding is that you have surrogate pairs. Okay. So you have, like, combinations of code points that together make sense, right? So like a combining mark on a letter or something, like even though that specific example um, works on its own, but something along those lines. There, there are times when those surrogate pairs, if they're not together, mm -hmm. are isolated mm -hmm. and therefore aren't valid string contents. Interesting. Is that also the mechanism by which um, skin tone modifiers in emoji are created i don't know if it's the same terminology that's used to to describe that but yes okay. it's that concept okay interesting there's so much to know about unicode it's kind of overwhelming oh i, I mean <laughs> that's why like i i don't know a whole lot but um you know when earlier i said i wasn't a unicode expert i don't think there are any unicode experts they're <laughs> just people who uh like understand more and more that they don't know the whole thing <laughs> right. I wonder how Michael feels about Unicode. Well, and and as someone who uh is like extremely knowledgeable in that stuff, um yeah. I think that he would still say that he's just scratching the surface <laughs> just because right. of how complex it is. Yeah. But seriously, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who understands this stuff better than Michael. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do not doubt that at all. Yeah, so ultimately, um this change in backing storage uh shouldn't affect most um, developers out there consuming Swift strings. Um, if anything, you might even see performance improvements. Um, it's unlikely that you'll see regressions, but still technically possible. Um, and you know, the blog post points out, you know, if you do see any performance-sensitive code that that regresses, uh, file a bug, right? But this is kind of business as usual. Yeah. Uh... He also points out that uh, Swift Neo saw a 20% speed improvement um, serving up the homepage of Swift.org 
just by upgrading to um, Swift 5, which is pretty crazy, actually. It's like a big jump. Actually, the the most surprising thing out of that to me isn't the performance improvement, which is great, mm-hmm. but I think this is the first time that uh, that tidbit was shared, that Swift Neo powers the Swift website. Yes, that also. I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, way which to... was just so casually dropped. Yeah, yeah. Which makes me wonder if it was how long that's been the case and if they, yeah, had intended to, you know, build the site with this and then open source it later. I wonder what the story is there. Uh, is the site actually open source? I know parts of it are. Like, I think the the documentation portion of Swift.org, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if the whole site is. Right, no, sorry. I meant, like, Swift Neo itself, like how that was actually... Um, if If that was, like basically an internal thing and then later the decision to open source it was made or if it was just like oh we're going to make this thing oh now that we have this thing let's like rewrite the site to use it yeah i kind of it's a good question like i I don't think that that's really public knowledge but um yeah i (laughs) i would almost guarantee that Apple was using Swift Neo in some way, shape, or form before it was open sourced. You know, it wasn't just like mm-hmm. uh, an academic project written in isolation. Sure, sure. Uh, there is one aspect um, of this change, which is uh, includes a deprecation of an API, and that's using string index encoded offset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was actually deprecated as part of SC241. And the the functionality that this was supposed to expose and and that what the documentation said was that um this was an offset into a string's utf16 encoding mm-hmm. for a given string index right so you take an opaque string index and you get its encoded offset and it would return an integer of how many utf16 code blocks it corresponded to mm-hmm. and now when the backing storage was changed to utf8 this this comment was just removed, right? So, but the API remained and was returning different results, right? Right. And actually, that's, that's um, the best kind of API, actually. Right. Uh, and what was interesting is that, like, for you to realize this, you had to notice that now the comment no longer referenced UTF sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it wasn't great, but um, and and ultimately the the person who found this is someone who's uh, who I've contributed to lots of projects before, Norio Nomura. Um, and he was digging into um, a, a a regression in the Swift 5 snapshots for YAMS, um, the YAML parser that uh, he and I maintained together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was digging into this regression and then realized that there was a lot of code, including in Swift Core Lib's foundation, uh, that was using this encoded offset and expecting it to do what the documentation said, right? Right. Uh, so this just led to kind of runtime changes in runtime behavior um, without any kind of compilation warning or anything like that. So he brought this up um, and almost immediately, Michael Ilzeman made a PR to deprecate and discourage its use. But because this was changing Swift's public API, it had to go through Swift evolution. Mm-hmm. So this is a case where like a bug fix still needs like evolution discussion. Right. Um, right. And so it wasn't until like uh, close to a month later where it was finally able to, to be merged. So that was like in January, February timeframe. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So that'll be deprecated in Swift 5, but still available, right? And then uh, removed at some point in the future? Yeah. So uh, if this comment from February 15th is still up to date, Mm -hmm. it's been deprecated as of Swift 5, uh, or really deprecated as of Swift 4.2 with the Swift 5 compiler. Uh. You know, so even if you compile Swift 4 mode or Swift 4.2 mode with the Swift 5 compiler, yes. this is deprecated. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it should be obsoleted by Swift 5.1. Oh, okay. Pretty quick removal. And obsoleted means like it's no longer ex- even like accessible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so uh, if anyone is using that API... Better stop. Well, the thing is, you might be using it indirectly, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, if you're doing anything through Swift Core Libs Foundation, like the um, the API that we were using in Yams that ended up uh, use, calling this internally was, uh, let's see if I can find it, line range for range. Mm-hmm. So if you're, like, trying to get a line range um, based off character indices or ns ranges then uh this was failing interesting now this has been fixed though um and i think all other cases in swift Corelibs foundation has been fixed uh, but you might have some uses in your own code mm-hmm. and now i'd like to take a second to thank our second sponsor uh, for this episode clubhouse which is the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone on every team together to build better products Clubhouse provides the perfect balance of simplicity and structure for better cross-functional collaboration. Its fast, intuitive interface makes it easy for people on any team to focus in on their work on a specific task or project while also being able to zoom out and see how that work is contributing towards a bigger picture. They have a simple API and a robust set of integrations. Clubhouse also seamlessly integrates with the tools you use every day, uh, getting out of your way so you can deliver quality software on time. If you would like to check them out, you can go to clubhouse.io slash Swift Unwrapped. Thank you, Clubhouse. The last piece that I wanted to touch on um, on this blog post is that uh, there's some really interesting um, uh, section on how this impacts existing code. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, for the majority of developers and in, in code, uh, this should have no impact other than hopefully some performance improvements. Sure. If you found yourself diving down to the UTF-16 view of a string for performance reasons, you might want to reconsider that. Uh, that might actually be slower, and you might not need to do it at all. Like, it might be faster to just deal with the, uh, with the public string API instead, or the UTF-8 view. Have you done that before, Jesse? Like, had to dive down to the underlying view? I haven't actually. Um, I've never come across cases in um, the apps or the apps I'm building or frameworks that I'm maintaining where I needed to um, use either of those views actually. Yeah. Uh, have you used those before? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> um, especially dealing with. Uh, with writing tooling, right, right, for Swift and Swift, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're consuming large amounts and, and like trying to parse and analyze large amounts of of uh, string content, which is the case mm-hmm. if you're analyzing like source code, right, then um, yeah, you end up 
having to dive down quite a bit into the underlying views, mm-hmm. but I am very curious to see uh, what could be revisited now in Swift 5, now that uh, you know there are a lot of these operations that are apparently faster using the native string APIs. Yeah, so what do those views provide exactly in those uh, contexts? Well, it gives you an array effect, well, a, a, co- a collection of the underlying code points, either in UTF-16 mm-hmm. or UTF-8, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to more of the character-based um, entities when you deal with the string itself. Right. So if you're, like, one very common operation um, that that I've had to do in tooling is, like, given... Um, a string index or an index range, convert that to either um, UTF-16 offset or UTF-8 offset, or to um, convert it to a line, a line number and a character number, right? So like, you see this quite a bit when working with IDEs or text editors, where mm-hmm. um, to report, say, a, a problem at a given location in a string, you report it using uh, the line and character number more than the offset of that character in in the file. Yeah. Does that I make sense? Th- I think I'm following you with that. Um, yeah. So like for SwiftLint, for example, mm-hmm. um, say you say you wanted to report uh, some sort of style violation um, or like a maybe an easy one is um, sorted imports, right? So one of the SwiftLint rules is to sort your import statements. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine... Um, like the start of your file being import my framework and then the second line being import some other framework, right? Sure. Well, if those are out of order, SwiftLint would report uh, in a similar way as Clang does or SwiftC does um, any sort of problem using the line number uh, starting it. These are one indexed for reasons. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it could you could say like, well, there's there's a violation at line one character offset like 10 Uh instead of saying um, it's character offset like 3074. Right. This also means that like as a user, if you're just looking at the location, it's way easier to find because you just go to the line uh, and then you go to the character instead of having to count, say like the byte offsets from the start of the file, Mm -hmm. which gets pretty complicated. I see. Yeah, so the uh, like UTF uh, eight or sixteen views give you their APIs to like jump to line numbers and then these offsets. Is that what you're saying? Or no, it's it's more that um, with these underlying views, you can you can peek into um, how much space they're taking up, basically. Oh, I see. As opposed to working with a higher level string API where you can't really access that. I see. I see what you mean. So if you want to like measure uh, the like encoded size of a string or a string subset, mm-hmm. then that tends to be a little easier to do with the underlying views than uh, with the high-level APIs. I see. Makes sense. Yeah. So effectively, like if you've never had to do some kind of low-level string parsing in Swift, you probably won't be affected by this at all, and hopefully we'll just <laughs> right. see a nice speed up. Yeah. There's one thing um, toward the end here about Objective-C interop, and um, it says that interop is you know, still going to be efficient with the Objective-C APIs, 
And Michael writes that strings backing storage classes are subclasses of NS strings. They bridge to Objective C for free. I don't know exactly what that means. Strings backing storage classes are subclasses of NS string. Yeah. So this my my take on what this means is that um, in the kind of private API or the the internal implementation, i.e., like not something that's exposed externally mm-hmm. on Darwin platforms, i.e., on platforms where foundation doesn't rely on Swift, like doesn't have a Swift dependency. Right. Um, that it will actually use NS string as uh, the superclass for its implementation. But I'm assuming that that's not the case on uh, non-Darwin platforms because foundation doesn't exist there. Right. So you would have to get NS string from Corlib's foundation, which depends on Swift. Yeah. Right. right. So I think this is a Darwin platforms only um, kind of thing. I see. Interesting. Yeah, and like looking at the at the pull request um, from David Smith mm-hmm. that is linked to from this blog post and, and the portion talking about this, uh, it seems like this only applies if the Objective C runtime is there. Got it. And otherwise, there's um, there's kind of an alternate non NS string implementation. Yeah, this gets kind of complex to think about, especially because you don't often think of NS string or any other kind of foundation APIs as being something that the Swift standard, you know, the, the Swift runtime or standard library would use, but that's what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of unintuitive. Well, that's all we had to say on UTF-8 strings in Swift 5, but I strongly encourage you, if you're interested in this stuff, to read Michael's blog post at swift.org slash blog. We'd like to thank Sentry and Clubhouse for sponsoring this episode. Once again, you can find Sentry at sentry.io slash four slash Swift. And you can find Clubhouse at clubhouse.io slash Swift Unwrapped. And you can find the show on Twitter at Swift underscore Unwrapped. You can find me at Jesse underscore Squires. You'll find me on Twitter at SimJP. If you enjoy the show, please do leave a review on iTunes. And thanks for listening. <laughs>